0: Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin Acey. I'm the Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. My boss, Jay Posner, uh, is with me. He's the sports editor at the UT. I am in Arizona, Peoria, Arizona, and uh, Jay is in San Diego. Jay, uh, it's my third workout today. It's beautiful out here. I'm back in my hotel room. I have lots to write. Let's get right to it. I posted a little bit ago That the Padres just completed uh, a record week of season ticket sales since Fernando Tatis Jr.'s deal for fourteen years and three hundred forty million dollars was announced, they have sold two million dollars in season tickets. So three
1: impressive three hundred thirty-eight million to go.
0: Well, you got to think that all those people got a park that all those people are going to buy concessions. Uh, they're going to buy merchandise, which, of course, they have to share the merchandise money. But, yes, um, certainly it takes more than, uh, than one year. It's going to take a lot of years, and they're going to have to win. But uh, a really good start for the Padres. I thought that would be a nice way to, to sort of get into the, the big news and the things that we want to talk about with Fernando Tatis Jr. What's on your mind? When I say Fernando Tatis Jr. got a 14-year contract, Jay, what's on your mind?
1: I I think it's a situation where it's sort of a risk for both for both people, but probably Mm -hmm. a little more risk for the Padres because Mm -hmm. they're the ones who have to pay the money no matter what. I think Tatis probably you could argue he left money on the table. But my point, whenever something like this happens, is this guy has has set himself up now for and his kids and their kids and everybody else that if he doesn't do anything stupid and he doesn't, and everything turns out okay, this guy has set up all those people, his family for life. So if he missed out, if he misses out in 10 years that he could have made $46 million instead of $36 million or whatever it is, I don't think it's gonna matter all that much to him. You know, There comes a point where it's sort of like, how much do you really need? And if he can guarantee himself, and again, he doesn't get to keep $340 million, you know, there's taxes involved, there's agents, there's all kinds of people like that. But he has set himself up for life now, no matter what happens. And so the Padre, and but the Padres, I think, made a good deal as well. Um, they they wanted to get him locked up. Uh, I, I think they, they got very fair prices, probably under market, uh, during, certainly during the arbitration years. Uh, mm-hmm. If he goes to arbitration in those years, he's going to get more money than, you know, 5, 7, and eleven. Million and if he goes out on the free agent market, he's going to. It probably would cost them more than three hundred and six million or whatever it broke down to uh, over those ten years. So I think both sides have reason to be very happy uh, with the deal. But as I said, I do believe that the Padres, as happens in these cases, are a little bit more at risk. And again, there will be some sort of insurance policy that yes. uh, goes into play here for uh, for them. But again. The Padres, as they showed this week or in the last week, and they and will continue to show as long as they keep winning. There are ways to make that money back. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be starting up a GoFundMe page for Peter Seidler and his partners uh, on this on this deal.
0: Yeah, you like know, you say you talk about leaving money on the table and it's valid. I could make the argument he left one hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty million dollars potentially on the table. But potentially. Uh, if, right. If he, right. Potentially. You could stop there because that's the big word. Right. Potential. Um, But that money's there's also 340 million on the table. He may have left some off, but but he has some on the table that he might never have saw if there was a catastrophic injury or if his performance went down, which I don't think anyone thinks it's going to go down terribly. But he could have made 60 million dollars from 2022 to 2024 in arbitration. He could have started making 40 million right away in 2025 when uh, he's going to be making 20 for two years and then it goes up to 25. But there's a new CBA coming up. Um, I think I'm told TV contracts are going to keep rising, but I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. And this guy has more money guaranteed uh, through three, 2034 than any player walking around right now, except Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. So, right. And here's the other thing for, the, for both him and the Padres. He'll be 35 when this deal is done. Betts and Trout will be 39 when their respective deals are done. The only two guys that are... Uh, going to make more over the life mm-hmm. of their deal on um, 12-year deals that they both signed, uh, well, last year and the year before. I mean, this might not be the end for uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Certainly. I, I'll be, I I would agree with you. I was hoping we were going to disagree when we put this topic on the table. But uh, certainly the the risk is much greater uh, for the Padres. Now, addressing that risk, look, every indicator that's out there and all you have to do is if you never watched Fernando Tatis Jr. play a game, if you watched that press conference and saw the the personality and, and the way that he was talked about and the way that he talked that showed his character, this isn't a guy who's going to be any different of a player this year or next or the year after because now he's got guaranteed money. Right. So. It's all about whether he continues to be at uh, this level where it's basically historic uh, in terms of how he started off uh, his career and whether he stays healthy.
1: Right. And, and that's why I don't blame him for, for jumping at the, at the deal because you don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Boy, we sure hope so. But, you know, we saw in LA yesterday how fast things can change for people. And, you know, one, one moment in time, and a lot of things in life can be different. So, you have a chance to to get three hundred and forty million dollars. It might be a pretty good idea to uh, to take it while you can get it. Kevin, maybe someday we'll we'll get around to offering you a contract. Um, I, I'm I'm going to guess it's it's not going to have that many zeros. But if well, we uh, if we give you a chance, you you probably want you 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 know somebody gave you a chance to sign for a pretty good amount of money. Uh, I I think you'd probably jump at it, even if you thought boy, maybe 10 years down the line, I might be able to make more. I I, I think Fernando did pretty well here for, uh, for himself and and for his family.
0: And, you know, there were, there was time to do this, obviously, uh, but this was the right time before the arbitration years, because you know, at that point, it's like, well, it just keeps getting more expensive all the time. But I really think a factor, Fernando Tatis Jr. wanted to be a padre mm-hmm. and He's very close with Manny. They share the same agent. They're very close. You remember when Mike Trout signed his deal, and people were a little surprised that he'd signed it. He didn't go to, to free agency, especially with how the Angels sort of let him down around him and all that. And he talked about talking to Bryce Harper, talking to Manny Machado. And the free agent process kind of sucks for these guys. Yeah. And, man, and, and Fernando Tatis Jr. ostensibly never has to deal with that. And that is a big deal, I think.
1: Yeah, no. And and I think the idea that he he obviously feels comfortable here uh, with ownership, with uh, A.J. Preller and the front office, uh, with people in the clubhouse. I mean, look, people in the clubhouse could change at any moment, but the city is going to be here. He's got to know how much the fan base is excited. Uh, about all, all of this and look, he, he, you know, there's something to be said for, for being comfortable in a place and wanting to stay in a place and, and it's not all about, you know, how much money can I get? Sometimes it's, it, there's, there's a, an other factors that are involved and he obviously weighed some of those in, uh, in this situation. And, and look, this is a great thing for, for the Padres, for their fans, um, An idea, you know, I've never quite understood the whole idea about caring what other people think of you, but a lot of fans seem to care about what national people think of the Padres. National people right now think a lot of the Padres. Uh, You know, they're being held up as sort of this model organization in a way that's trying to win when a lot of other teams aren't trying to win. And that's something very new uh, for the Padres and for San Diego. And and I, I just hope that the fans are allowed back in, you know, even if it's even if it's 10 or 12,000 to start the season with. Uh, and eventually there'll be full houses back at Petco. And I, I I just think the atmosphere, I'm really looking forward to to fans getting a chance and, and going out there and watching a team that, you know, by all indications, should be very good this year, very exciting, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, it sets up for a, a lot of fun days and nights downtown.
0: Yeah. A little note on that is that, uh, While it will be a reduced capacity, uh, maybe even like, you know, less than the whole, maybe 20% at the start. It might go up to 25%. The Padres do believe that there will be enough people that opt out uh, and decide that they're going to put their season tickets on hold for the next year when they feel it's safer, or whatever their personal decision is, that if you have season tickets – that you will be able to attend games this year. They don't think that, obviously, you could go through the secondary market if you don't have season tickets, but that's all that's going to make it is season ticket holders uh, this year, unless you want to pay probably a a very inflated price considering demand uh, on the secondary market, but that everyone who has season tickets, maybe not 81 games if you have a full season ticket package, but uh, you will be able to attend games this year, which I think is significant. They had not been able to say that before, but obviously, with the passage of time, uh, it becomes more clear what, you know, uh, their ticket holders' uh, plans are and what their plans are. Um, Yeah, it's
1: interesting. I was just talking um, to my wife about it, like how many games do you think we'll get to go to with a half a season package like we have? And the the answer is I have no idea. Uh, I haven't asked you about it. I haven't seen anything from the Padres about it in terms of whether the you know the 81 game people will get to go to all the games, and then it goes from there. If there's going to be percentages, so I'm I'm sure the Padres have worked on this plan for a long time, and and I'm eager to see when they do get the go ahead, uh, what it's going to look like, and and who gets to go to games, and and that sort of thing. But I I, I just think you know, even having been at a few games last year in the press box, I, I just think it's 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 such a good time oh. for Padres fans that it would really be a shame if it if it goes on much longer where they can't come and watch the team that they've suffered through for so long.
0: You know, I don't want to be heretical here, uh, but but it might come as a shock to, to some of you that sometimes that what an athlete says, just like, you know, all of us, they don't really mean it. Uh, <laughs> but I believe wholeheartedly that these guys are looking forward to fans being back in the stands. They know they're good. They know they're exciting. And mm-hmm. they know what Petco can be like and even some visiting venues. But they know what it is like uh, when the fans are there, when they're good. And, right. and as you and I would talk some nights, uh, Saturday nights last year, if Tatis uh, went yard, we'd be like, man, this place would be going off. And, right. and, and I believe that those players really do miss it, and they're looking forward to it.
1: And I think the other thing they miss is on the road, I know that mm-hmm. in players have talked about this in different sports, uh, I remember, especially in the NBA, hearing an arena go quiet where you're on the road and somebody hits a big shot, or or you know somebody hits a big home run, and in, in the case of baseball, and the and the other play, and it just goes quiet because all the fans are so devastated. There's great satisfaction that I think that the players take in that, just like they enjoy playing at home and and hearing the roars when they do well. Relievers
0: feed off it both at home mm-hmm. because generally if you're going to come in and especially if you're a late inning guy, the, the place is going wild. And if you're on the road, you, they, they came to miss the abuse and, right. <laughs> and, and the people yelling at them because it just, just getting your adrenaline up is such a mm-hmm. huge thing, especially if you're a reliever and you got to come in and be firing right away. So they're really looking forward to it. Jay, I wanted to talk about one more thing from uh, the Tati deal and, and uh, before we move on to a couple other things, pitching, um, AJ Preller, uh, I think that he deserves uh, an immense amount of credit. Uh, and, and I think that that's pretty obvious, but clear in that press conference, uh, and those of us have been around the team and who talked to players and, and others kinda knew it, but man, was it on display, the, the relationship between and the trust and the enjoyment of each other between Fernando Tatis Jr. And, and AJ Preller. And I've written about it and talked about it before that these guys love him. He doesn't insert himself. In uh, in the in the clubhouse. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, before last year, he was rarely on the road because, quite honestly, he didn't care about the major league team because he knew how much work he had to do to make <laughs> it better. He right. was in Korea or, you know, uh, the Dominican Republic or at minor league ballpark. But when he's around, he's a he's a compelling figure. He's sneaky, funny. Um, and and the relationship and obviously money speaks. OK, but but the relationships that he's built with these players is, is big
1: yeah and I think that uh, paid off especially with uh with Tatis, who's been around for a couple of years. It's a little different when when people come in as free agents, you know guys like Osmer and machado and and um you know the guys that are acquired, whether it be a trade or free agent from from other teams but when when someone like Tatis sort of grew up in the organization, I know he wasn't drafted, but all that, but still here's a guy who traded for him and believed in him all along and it's clear that he's comfortable uh with him and and comfortable with ownership and 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 everything else.
0: And and, and look at spring training today. Uh I saw AJ Preller talking with Mackenzie Gore uh, for a long time. I don't know what they were talking about. I know they were talking about pitching by the by a little bit of the hand motions that I mm-hmm. saw um and, and all that but but it's a really easy conversation and Mackenzie Gore is a guy that they still they still hold Mackenzie Gore uh, just so everybody knows at the same level, basically they, they hold Tatis. They think that's how good Mackenzie Gore is going to be, but Mackenzie Gore had a kind of a rough year last year, right? Didn't get to play uh, has had a little trouble with his uh, delivery and, and just to know that this GM believes so much in you and, and just has these conversations with you and has built up this relationship. I know that that's important to the players. Anyway, I just felt like that was uh, was interesting Coach. and, and significant.
1: And and I think that leads to what one of the things I wanted to talk about um, today was you're in Arizona. You get to see what's going on now with the team and with the players. And that's the stuff I've missed uh, hearing about is w- what's actually happening on the field. I and can't say in the clubhouse anymore because you're not allowed in there, but mm-hmm. just the sort of observations uh, that, that you get to, to see each day. Some of which you're able to write about, some of which maybe you 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 can't or you save for other times. But you've been out watching workouts now for three days. Uh, What's it like? First of all, what's it like down there? Uh, What's the what's the structure? And everything like, and and what have you seen that uh, that people would be interested in hearing about? So generally,
0: the media in spring training basically has the run of the place almost, uh, and 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 it's a great time. Everyone's relaxed. The guys you're trying to get information from are relaxed, and you get to be almost everywhere, and so you get a lot of stuff. And uh, we're practically on the field. Uh, we are on the field, but uh, we're practically like involved in in, in drills because uh, we're so close. And now where we are, and if anyone's been out to spring training, is we are where the fans usually are because fans are not allowed at spring training workouts so I get to go around and see all the fields and go up to the fence um and and that's what I get to do uh Mm -hmm. but not be actually on the field um before I get into because I wanted to talk about uh, some things I saw in the last couple days that will apply to what is I think probably the biggest story going into the season but first I want to make sure I don't forget Ha Sung Kim is an amazing second baseman he is really good now I still think that it will be between he and Jake Cronenworth who is better offensively will get the bulk of the playing time there because Jake Croner was pretty good at second base mm-hmm. too. But Haasung Kim is awesome. I he can hasn't see, even played I,
1: much there, right?
0: I haven't seen him play shortstop. Right. right. But I can see, like, why this guy was thought of so highly as a shortstop. He is really good. Mm-hmm. Um it does seem like these guys are having a lot of fun. It, it, it just, it, it really does. Uh, they, they seem to be very comfortable, almost like, and I honestly, uh, have never covered a playoff baseball team. So, but it almost feels like they know they're good. And, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys there have played for a long time. So that's different. Um, now, I want to talk about something I saw uh, yesterday, and that was Denelson Lemaitre throwing a lot of sliders in his bullpen. And I think Denelson Lamette might be the key to the season. You are know, like if you had to pick one, we're going to do like a talk radio type of thing where we're yeah. going to completely make an overstatement. Uh, <laughs> Denelson Lamette, healthy, takes this from a third or fourth best rotation to, in my opinion, possibly the best rotation. I, I know the Dodgers are super deep, and man, they are really good. But I'm just saying like – I think that Padres with the Nelson Lamette healthy are really good. And the way he was throwing the other day, I thought was very encouraging. The way that Chris Paddock, who you could also say, I don't think quite as important. I think Paddock might be more replaceable at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's another huge key to this rotation and how good they are, which is obviously the rotation, a big key to the team's success. Uh, Chris Paddock today getting a little swing and miss. And I'll tell you what, he and Joe Musgrove, who, by the way, fantastic today joe Musgrove. they want to throw into like you and me the group that was taking live batting practice against chris batik was manny machado eric Hosmer, and will myers uh and now i want to make sure because just to say all this and tweet or or to write about um a, a live batting practice and not give context um I don't know that anybody got a hit off either one of those guys, but for the most part, and especially veteran players, this is their first time in the box against 90, 95. This is their, their first time against that kind of spin. All right. No matter what machines they've been going off against. This is uh they're up there to see and kind of get their eye level and they'll take some swings. Um, but that's what's happening. But I'm telling you that paddock looked really good. And, uh, when he passed me on, I said, Oh, got some swing and miss. He said, I'm back. Now anybody <laughs> surprised by the bravado from the young Texan? No, right. they're not. Right. Um, but, uh, th- those are two guys that I saw in the last couple of days that I wanted to share that at least in spring training and let's be careful about how excited or dejected we get about anything in spring training, but those seem to be encouraging signs. Cause wouldn't you agree that, uh, Those two guys are monster for this rotation
1: success. Well, I I do, and I think I I do agree that Lamette is even more of a key because just of how good how good he was last year, you know, during the regular season, as short as it was. You make ten starts, I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: Eleven.
1: Eleven starts. Okay. If he can make, you know, twenty-eight to Mm -hmm. twenty-seven to thirty-one starts or something like that this year, and then be around at the end of the season, you are more apt to Have a chance to win the game with him pitching than if you go to say Musgrove or Paddock, who would be next up. You know, if you have if you have a top three of Snell and Darvish and Lamette, that's a pretty mm-hmm. strong three right there. I'm refusing to get caught up in anything related, probably to either one of those guys for for different reasons. But Lamette, I'm thinking we need to see him pitch. Every five days, you know, in the spring. For 15, every five... 16 starts. Exactly. I was going to yes. say just even just for even just to get through April and where he's going to start, say, five or six times in April and to see where he is at that point mm-hmm. and not even so much where he is from a results standpoint, because if he's healthy, he's going to be getting results, mm-hmm. but where he is from a physical standpoint and how how do things hold up pitching every five or six days, whatever it works out to be, because that's the part that's always in the back of your head with him. I think Paddock is more of a physical type thing where if he's, if he's got things back together and he gets things to where he was a couple of years ago, he could be, he could be really good for a long period of time. You know, you're not going to worry the same about him. You worry about him because he's a pitcher and things happen to pitchers, but not in the same respect as Lamette because Lamette's elbow just seems like it's at any moment, what's going to happen to it. And you're kind of holding your breath all along. So I really am not going to not going to get carried away. It is encouraging that he's already throwing sliders Mm -hmm. again. It's just, you know, you're just going to have to go start by start month by month with him and see see how he looks and just hope that each time he's able to say, yeah, I can take the ball. It's my turn. I'm ready to go out there and and, uh, and pitch well.
0: And I think that uh, that's that's a big thing. Denelson-Lamette, which is why it was so significant that he pulled himself from that game and and decided, you know, basically Denelson-Lamette was the driver uh, and uh, that he wasn't pitching in the postseason uh, and that he didn't feel right because there really was no diagnosis of like, oh, man, you got a torn UCLA, UCL UCL. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I was thinking about your alma mater uh, for a second <laughs> there. You got a torn UCL. Uh, and it wasn't like that it was that Danelson Lamette has had Tommy John surgery before he knew he needed to shut it down. And why that's significant is Denelson Lamette's going to go out there and pitch with no arm. That guy is a bulldog. And I mean, you saw that just, we had the graphic up there. I've got Denelson Lemaitre as number three starter. If he's healthy, Danelson Lamet could be the ace of this staff. There's not any question whatsoever, but an ace of a staff goes 27 to 31 and and that's this year Uh, an ace of a staff goes 31 to 33 but this year you get 30 you get 27 starts out of these guys I think that's a good year because they're going to have to be careful because they're going from, you know, 11 starts to trying to go to 30. Everyone's going from 60 games to 162. So, right. um, but that's, but th- that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch uh, throughout the season uh, as well. Before we go, Jay, I wanted to talk about, and it's it's not to the point where we can write about it or anything and, and I'll still be surprised if it happens, but, Seeing AJ Preller on the phone still a lot, you know, it got me to thinking. You know, like, dude, put the phone down. What do you you've done? Everything you need to do. But my understanding, is he's working on things, uh, and he's still interested in uh, adding uh, Josh Hader to to the to the uh, to the bullpen again. I I, I don't know that that's going to happen, but the fact that he got Keone Kella, uh, who looks real good by the way, the fact that Mark Melanson's here, Pierce Johnson, by the way, who last year kept getting better and better and better yep. and more high leverage. I'm sorry. I mean, I've only seen him in bullpens, but he's up to like 97. He's only like 92 when he went to Japan. He is really good. You got Emilio Pagandro pomeranz but evidently uh, A.J. Preller's uh, not satisfied. So huge shock.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny you say put down the phone. What else are you going to do? I, I guess the bullpen would be the one. Yes, the one spot that you would point to more than anything else. Maybe the last guy on the bench, just because you don't know where some of those guys fall in, you know, Matea, Onya, O'Grady, those type of guys, but, but certainly more important if, if there's going to be one spot that they need to to fill, uh, even though we, I think we went through last week, like 15 or 16 guys, you know, for eight or nine bullpen spots. If they got one more sort of, you know, lights out type guy and Hader was a little bit off last year compared to his previous couple of years but still for the most part had had pretty good numbers so again it comes down to anything else what uh maybe there was the text right there that they just uh they just got him hearing your no hearing, that wasn't a text sound but but oh but i okay. definitely
0: <laughs> kept it on because of stuff like that, you never you that. Know. that's why i keep the phone on and i'm getting old where i can't you know the vibration it doesn't really work
1: so, so anyway yeah. I, we'll see what happens i mean i if, if it happens it happens you always have to weigh it against you know, what, what is the cost for something like that? I, I did look, he's under control for three more years. I think this was his first arbitration eligible year. Fits so, into the model then. Yeah. You know. So that, it fits into that window and everything. But, All right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm writing about,
0: guy. I'm writing about Eric Cosmer for tomorrow, not to get too technical, but some of the changes that he made, uh, with his, uh, mechanics oh sorry he's left-handed um (laughs) he's uh with his mechanics that allowed him to get the ball in the air more last year and I mean he got the ball in the air a lot more which you could say wasn't hard to do because he put it on the ground almost more than anyone but he was very 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 much like the Eric Hosmer that the Padres are paying for last year in a short sample so that's big going into this season but that's what I'm going to be doing as soon as we hang up here
1: Jay all right, looking forward to that. I know we've got a Machado story coming. Uh he's supposed to talk in a couple days and uh, much much more to come. So I hope everybody uh, continues to read the paper, read the website, subscribe to Kevin's newsletter, uh, join us here, all that sort of thing. Kevin, go answer your phone. We'll talk, talk to you in every- a bit. We'll talk to everybody later. Bye-bye. Um, so, so anyway, yeah. I, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, if, if it happens, it happens. You always have to weigh it against, you know, what what is the cost? Uh, for something like that i i i did look he's under control for three more years uh his i think this was his first arbitration eligible year uh fits so, in the model
0: then yeah
1: you know. so that it fits into that window and everything but, all right i'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing about guy.
0: i'm writing about eric cosmer for tomorrow uh not to get too technical but some of the changes that he made uh with his uh mechanics oh sorry he's left-handed um (laughs) he's uh with his mechanics that allowed him to get the ball in the air more last year and I mean he got the ball in the air a lot more which you could say wasn't hard to do because he put it on the ground almost more than anyone but he was very 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 much like the Eric Hosmer that the Padres are paying for last year in a short sample so that's big going into this season but that's what I'm going to be doing as soon as we hang up here Jay
1: All right, looking forward to that. I know we've got a Machado story coming. Uh, He's supposed to talk in a couple days um, and uh, much much more to come. So I hope everybody uh, continues to read the paper, read the website, subscribe to Kevin's newsletter, uh, join us here, all that sort of thing. Kevin, go answer your phone. Talk talk to you in a minute. We'll talk to everybody later. Bye-bye.